Praise the Lord. Let's continue that. Let's worship him. Hallelujah. Let's make a joyful noise unto him this morning. We love you, God, and praise you. Give you adoration and glory. Hallelujah. Thankful to be in your presence. Thankful to fill your spirit. We love you and give you praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's great to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Great to be with all of you. And I'm thankful for technology. Where would we be today without technology? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to treach this morning. Opening verse will be verses 7 through 9 of Joshua chapter 1. And while you are turning there, I want to say it is a privilege to be here this morning with you. Best church on the planet. It's a double honor to preach. And I thank my pastor and his family and all that they do, all that they have put into me. And uh, I appreciate this opportunity to talk about the goodness of the Lord. I find it easy to talk about the goodness of the Lord. If you're feeling bad, if you're having a bad day, just think about the goodness of the Lord. That scripture, by the way, he says, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are just, think on these things. Think on these things. There's a lot of good things to think about when you think about the Lord. Joshua chapter 1, verse number, let's read verse number 6. It says, Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. Verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. This morning I want to teach from those last words found in verse 9 and in verse 7 of what we just read. Whithersoever thou goest. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's throw our hands in the air. Let's lift up our voices and ask God to help us this morning. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for everything that you are doing in this place. And God, we ask that you continue to move mightily. Lord, let the Holy Ghost have its way. I thank you, God, for what I feel. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through these lips of clay. We love you. We honor you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated whithersoever thou goest. There are all types of environments in this world, in this earth that we live in. There's aquatic environments. There's terrestrial, atmospheric environments. And in these environments, there are types of places that you can visit, that we are a part of, that make up terra firma, that make up earth. Places that are like forests. There's all types of areas that are covered with trees, forests, whether it's tropical, whether it's temperate or boreal. There's all different types of areas. California has many forests that you can visit. The Sequoia National Forests 
You have areas like deserts. We all love the desert because we're a part of one. And uh, not all deserts are very hot like the Sahara. Not all of them are scorching and burning, but some are much like the one we live in here in Bakersfield, very temperate. And uh, yes, we do have a few months where it gets into the triple digits, uh, but this is a desert nonetheless. And then there's the grasslands like those of the savanna, or you could go to areas like the tundra, where it's also harsh living conditions, and it's difficult to live in those areas. You have to be very prepared for the elements, and there's freshwater areas. These are areas where there's either ponds or lakes, where there's rivers or streams or creeks. These are types of environments that encompass the globe, and we have the, of course, marine environment, those that are of salt water in nature where uh, it covers the vast majority of the earth. Every one of these environments in each one that you can visit, there are life forms, there are ecosystems, there is a thriving community, community of, of things that are living. These are, these are places that some of these you wouldn't even want to visit. Some of these you wouldn't even want to go to the Sahara and, and play in the hot sand. But in those areas, there are life. There is life. There are life forms. And it doesn't matter. Wherever you go, you can find some type of breathing, living organism in these areas. Uh, the Lord said in Isaiah 45 and 18, Thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. All of these places are livable. All of these places can have successful life. And the analogy in that today is you live in different types of environments. You come from different walks. You have situations that are very difficult. Maybe right now you're in a season of blessing or you're in a season where God is pouring out his mercy upon you or whatever your state and whatever your circumstance, wherever you are, you can have life and you can be successful and you can find something fruitful in living for God. It doesn't matter your environment because if you're living for God, he will bless you and he will sustain you and he will keep you. There's a story that Brother Terry used to tell me on multiple visits. He told me the story about the man, the farmer who had a ranch and he needed somebody to help him, somebody to uh, help him around the farm, around the ranch. And so there was a young lad that came by and he seemed pretty confident. And so the farmer inquired of him, well, tell me, what the, you know, how do you fit this job description? Sell yourself to me. What is it? That, that you have to give me, what are your skills? And the young man replied, well, I can tell you this, I know how to sleep in a storm. And that's all he said. And the farmer was very upset because that didn't seem like qualifications, the, the qualifications that he was looking for. He was expecting a different answer, but because he was hungry for work and he needed somebody to help him, he went ahead and hired this young man. And one night it was dark and stormy, and on the horizon there were black clouds coming 
this way towards the farm. And so the farmer, he woke up his wife. He said, we got to get up. we got to see what's going on. we got to find our help. we got to find this, this new hire and see what he's doing. And, and the storm came, and the winds blew, and they looked all over uh, the house, and they couldn't find the, the ranch hand that they had just hired. They found him a little while later on his bed, sleeping, sound asleep, frustrated and angry, this ranch owner went back to bed, determined in the morning that he was going to fire the young lad and find somebody else. And so when he woke up the next morning, he went to check on everything in the farm. He went to see where, where all the sheep were, where all the horses were, how the cows were doing, all the tools, all the farm equipment. He wanted to see the hay and, and just the damage that the storm might have caused. But what he quickly realized was that all the tools were put away in the shed, away from the storm. And he noticed that all the hay bales had been covered to protect them from the rain. And that each animal was in the barn and had feed and they were okay and they were sheltered. And it dawned on him, it dawned on him all of a sudden, the words of the young man who told him his qualifications were he can sleep through a storm. And what he was really saying was, he knows how to be prepared when the storm comes. He knows what precautions to take whenever it doesn't seem bright and sunny. Whenever it's dark and gloomy, he can sleep through a storm. Hallelujah. We have a God today that can sleep through a storm. As a matter of fact, he did that on a boat once. He was sleeping through a storm, but thank God he was there. Thank God he was able to calm the environment. And I'm here to test, I'm here to testify and explain to somebody that God can calm the storm and he can sleep through it and he can bring you out of it and you don't have to worry, you don't have to perish, you don't have to worry about what tomorrow holds. God can sleep through a storm. These are environments he's used to. These are the types of places he desires to work. We have a God that likes to get his hands dirty. He doesn't work in just clean, clean situations. But he likes to get his hands dirty. And he likes to transform an individual and their life and make them better and make them something. And he wants the glory. As a matter of fact, he deserves the glory for that. Anything that I am, anything that you are, any goodness that we have, it comes from the Lord. It is because of him we have what we have today. It is because of him we're blessed today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is able to carry you through that environment. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting that many, many times where the Lord uses this phrase, he's using it towards Joshua, who's taking over after Moses, and he's assuring him, listen, I bless Moses and I'm going to bless you. I didn't just forget about everybody and the lineage of, of Moses. I'm going to be with you and I, I won't forsake you. And the Lord, he says in Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, he it is that doeth that doth go before thee, he will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. 
We can run over that scripture. We can quote it. We've learned it all of our life. But it's a very important scripture. It's a premise for all of life. If you can always be reminded that the Lord is always with you, there's a lot of calming in the situation that you're in because you know he's by your side and he's not going to leave. He's not going to drop you off the edge of a proverbial cliff and just leave you hanging. But he's never going to forsake you. Men will forsake you. People will disappoint you. Situations, jobs, careers. Life will disappoint you. Life will forsake you. But God will never forsake you. He will always be there with you. That is a promise of the Lord. And he's beating it in the head of Joshua. He's beating it in the head of those that want to follow him. I am with you. I am with you. In 1 Chronicles chapter 28, in verse 20, and David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. God is not going to forsake you. It can't not be said enough that God is always going to be there for you and with you and he's on your side. Trust me, he has your best interests in mind and you may think that all he is focusing on is what you haven't done or what you can't be. That is not my God, but he is an uplifter. He is somebody that is trying to secure you and lift you up and bring you out of the rubble and out of the miry clays, trying to speak life into you and let you know that you are a tool in his hand that he can use if you just succumb to him. Our environment sometimes affect us and bother us. The Old Testament talks about digging wells. And this is Sunday morning. I'm going to read a little bit out of Genesis chapter 26. Fascinating uh, passage of scripture. I'm going to read quite a few verses to set the tone for this lesson this morning. But uh, Genesis chapter 26 is unique in nature because it is uh, one of the only specific chapters in the Bible that deal with Isaac solely. Isaac, the son of Abraham. And uh, it talks to him very profoundly in this, in this chapter. And we read, starting with verse 1 of Genesis 26, There was a famine in the land, besides the first famine, that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. Now, the Philistines were always warring against Abraham. And, and this is not a good situation at first. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go down into Egypt. Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. And it's always a good idea. Before you make any crazy decisions, don't go down to Egypt. That is not where you need to be. That is not where you need to be, woman of God, man of God. Egypt is not where you're going to find your answer. Egypt is not the place that an apostolic needs to be. That is not where you need to go when everything doesn't seem right and there's a famine in the land. We don't go to Egypt. We don't find our answer there. We don't find our strength there. They don't even serve the God that we serve. They have many gods, and none of them are named Jesus Christ, the one true God. Don't go to Egypt, Isaac. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee. And bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath 
which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven. There was a promise given a long time ago to his father that your seed is going to be like the stars in the sky. It's going to be like the sands of the ocean. That is how your seed will be in multiplication. And this is the heir of that promise. And God once again is reminding him, this son of Abraham, the father of the faithful, look, you're an heir to the promise. This is something that I promise and I'm not going to go back on. You are going to be blessed and you are going to be a great nation and we today by adoption when we are baptized in Jesus name we have this same promise applied to our life that he is always going to be with us and we're going to be multiplied and we're going to have the promises of Abraham because we are his seed and then he says in verse 5 because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge my commandments my statutes and my laws this is why I'm going to do this And so we start a new beginning in verse 12. Isaac sowed in that land, the land of Gerar, and received in the same year an hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. He waxed great, went forward, and grew until he became very great. He had flocks, possessions of herd, a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him, of course, for all the wells. And this is why, which which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham, his father, The Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. The enemy's plan number one is to take away the promises of God from you. Take away the blessings that you worked hard for. That is the enemy's number one plan to steal and to kill and to destroy. But there's a promise given to Isaac. And Abimelech said unto Isaac in verse 16, Go from us, for thou art much greater than we are. And Isaac departs thence, and he goes into Gerar. He dwells there, and he digged again the wells that his father had dug. And the Philistines had stopped them after the death of his father. In verse 19, Isaac's servants digged in the valley, and they, and they found there a well of springing water. And this is what happened in verse 20. The herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. And he called the name of the well Essek, which simply means in Hebrew a contention or an argument. And the next part says, because they strove with him. So Isaac left in the next verse, and he digged another well. And when he digged this other well, they strove for that also. And so he gives up and he calls the name of that Sitna, which means strife and opposition. But I thought you said, Lord, that I will be blessed whithersoever I goest. I thought you said the promises of Abraham are mine. I thought you told me that I'm going to be blessed if I just keep doing what you've told me to do. I'm in this land, this desert land that that you have sent me to. and, And I'm doing everything I know that is right. Where are the promises? There are these uh, rights known to man called mineral rights. Anybody ever heard of mineral rights? Probably to the deed to your home, you have mineral mineral, mineral rights. But they don't belong to you. They belong to someone else. A lot of times, so-and-so will give another so-and-so land. I grant thee this land that I have to you. However, accepting therefrom all oil, oil rights, Minerals and mineral rights, natural gas, natural gas rights, hydrocarbons, minerals, metallics, 
Anything that's down beneath the earth that's worth value, that's mine. So if you dig a well and you start, you strike oil, that's my oil. Yeah, you can build a house and you can have a farm and you can have animals and you can park and cars and stuff. But if you dig down below and you strike something of value, that's mine. The real valuable stuff is mine. And this is common in, in most areas of Bakersfield, especially because it's an oil-rich oil county, an old riverbed. And uh, you'll see this in a lot of the deeds, not only in this county, but many others. And the enemy of our soul, he wants those mineral rights that were given to us. He wants what belongs to us. He wants what's underneath the surface. He wants that thing that he knows is flowing rich and deep that brings forth blessing. He wants to steal it from you. He doesn't want you to have it, but I'm here to take hold and to take claim and let the enemy of my, of the soul, of my soul know that what God has given me is mine, and I'm taking every bit of it. You can't have what the Lord has blessed me with. You can't have what the Lord has promised me with. I'm going to keep on in this land of Gerar. I'm not going to give up, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep digging wells. And if that doesn't work, I'm going to go dig another well, but I'm not going to go down to Egypt. I'm not going to give up on my God. I'm not going to say that his promises are null and void. I'm just going to pick up my shovel and I'm going to go to another spot and I'm going to dig a well because the Lord promised something to me that's mine and you can't have it. It's time that we start digging wells. It's time that we don't give up, that we put a shoulder, a, a, a shovel in our hand and say, I'm not giving up. This, this idea may have failed, and this over here may have been of no use, but God has given me a promise a long time ago, and he's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me, so I'm going to dig some wells. We had the opportunity in November of 2019 to go to a place that was known as Beersheba. If you have the first picture, you can show it for me. This is the old site of Beersheba. Way off on the horizon, you can see some high-risers. That's the current city. Beersheba is the old city that we are at. And this is very interesting. What you're seeing there is the rubbles of, an old, of foundations of old homes that were just made out of, out of the rocks that were in that area. And... Uh, What's unique about Beersheba, as we continue reading, um, he removed from that well, the second one, in verse 22. And he digged another well, and for that they strove not. And he called the name of it uh, Rehoboth. Wide places or streets to make room was its translation. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land, because they kept digging and he went up from thence to Beersheba and the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said I am the God of Abraham thy father fear not for I am with thee and I will bless thee and multiply thy seed and my, for my servant Abraham's sake and he built an altar there and called it upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there and there Isaac's servants digged a well where are they digging this well in Beersheba they start digging this well and reading on. Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzath, one of his friends, and Fitchel, the chief captain of his army. And Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, and have sent me away from you? And they said, We saw certainly that the Lord was with thee. And we said, Let, let there be now an oath between you and us, even betwixt us and thee, and let us make a covenant with thee, that thou wilt do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, and as we have done unto thee nothing but good, 
and have sent thee away in peace. Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. And they had a feast. And in mourning they rose and went away and sware to each other. And Isaac sent them away and they departed uh, from him in peace. And it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had digged and said unto him, We have found water. And he called it Sheba. Therefore the name of the city is Beersheba unto this day. He went and he started after that redigging the wells of his father, finding these blessings that were promised to him in this city of Beersheba. There still is an existing well that they believe that was redug. That was Abraham's. You can show the next picture. This well was supposed to be, I think, 70 meters deep. And there we are looking over the top of it. It was supposed to be 70 meters deep, and they had to they had to dig pretty far. 230 feet exactly is about 70 meters. But they found water and they redigged these wells, and God was blessing Isaac because he knew that if he kept doing what God wanted him to do, he would find the blessing. Sometimes the environment that we're in isn't conducive to the blessing we want to have. Sometimes things go awry and we don't like what's happening, but that doesn't give us an excuse to give up or to lose faith or to stop doing the goodness of the work of the Lord or to stop pursuing the kingdom of God. We must go forward. Whithersoever you go, you have to keep digging. You have to keep doing what God wants you to do in order to receive the blessings of the Lord. When you start doing that, there's going to be the enemies of God that are going to come to you and they're going to see the blessings of God are all upon you. They're even going to make that statement that God is with you. I've seen God's blessing upon you. Let's make a truce because I don't want your God against me. When you keep doing the right thing, God's going to open doors that no man can shut. God's going to make sure that your enemies are going to bow down and walk away. Whenever you're in a trial or whenever you're in a hardship, you just need to know whether whithersoever I am, I'm going to keep doing what the word of God says. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Do whatever is written in it, the word of God says, and then you shall have a prosperous way. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and worship him. Well, put your hands together and worship him. Everywhere you go, there's a water table. There's an aquifer somewhere. The difference is, is its depth. And sometimes you have to dig a little bit. Sometimes you have to go deep. Sometimes you have to sweat. And it's going to take time. It's going to take days. In surveying, we dig a lot to look for monuments. And it's a, it's a joy. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a metal, it's a badge on your chest if you find something that hasn't been found in years. And uh, it, it just, it's bragging rights. It's, it's cool to find something old that was there a long time ago because the methods they use to establish those points aren't our methods today. We have digital technology. We use satellites in the air. Our measurement, we use laser beams. We use uh, all kinds of things that are a lot different than a tape, a steel tape, and a little uh, transit, a little peep sight. Uh, and we don't have to worry about dragging a tape or a big, long 300-foot measuring tape across hills and valleys. We can just go there and shoot it electronically. And so whenever we are going to find something that was set a long time ago, we have to get in the mindset of the original surveyor. There was this place just, just east of town, Bina Landfill, is a huge area owned by the county of Kern. Uh, you might have visited the landfill uh, once or twice in your life or more. That's where all our trash goes in the city of Bakersfield. It goes to Bina Landfill, most of it. And there's a lot of property there. And there's a road called Bina Road that goes south along the railroad tracks. 
and we were doing some property survey. We were going to swap property with one of the owners, and we had to find a particular corner, a section corner, a landmark. And it was documented in old notes by a man uh, by the name of Walt Thompson. He had seen it last, and he had tied it out, and he had set a punch mark on an old irrigation tank that was still there. Luckily, we found the old punch mark, which was a measurement tied to the monument. And so one of the first surveyors went out there, and he kind of just dusted off the uh, top of the, the, the dirt, and he went down maybe a foot or two, and he said, it's not there. And so I went out with my supervisor, and we started pulling tape, and, and we got a position, and, and uh, it, just, it just felt right. It has to be there. It has to be there. There were rattlesnakes in the sagebrush all around us and stuff. It was a hot day. And so we just told, look, I started digging, but I was in slacks. I just came from the office. So the guys took the shovel from me, and they started digging. And they got down about three foot, and we found this old tie that I would mentioned set by Walt Thompson many years ago, and it was a chiseled X. And we pulled it, and we said, it has to be there. It's much deeper than we think it is. And I have a picture I wish I could share it with you today of one of the party chiefs that were digging. The top of the hole was the top of the brim of his hat. That's how deep it was. It was almost seven feet deep, but it was there. It was there. You just had to keep digging. And what, that, what does that mean? I mean, that's a pretty story. I don't know what you do, Brother Brock. That sounds great. You talk about surveying a lot. Well, what that means is a whole lot because we found the original corner. And we were able to save its position and bring it up to service so everyone knows where the original corner is. Had we not found the original corner, had we stopped digging, we would have to, uh, we would have to put that in per the government manual, which means there, there has to be a lot of proof of why I put the new position where it was because I didn't find the original position. This will preach all on itself. You can't just make up a new idea. You can't just draw new lines and say, this is what we're going to believe right now. you got to go back to the original position. There's a lot of evidence that you have to make to make that claim that this is where I stand now. Well, how did you get there, and what did you use, and what is your proof, and what is your evidence? Well, it's just easier to say, I went down, and I dug deep, and I found what I was supposed to find, and there was a blessing down below, and I've resurfaced that, and now that's a blessing for me. And because I have found it, I'm going to recover it, and I'm going to claim it, and there's going to be things given to me that you can never give to me, but it comes from the Lord. I'm telling somebody, there's something wherever you are. You just got to keep digging. Well, I don't know what the will of God is for me. I don't, want, I don't know what God wants me to do. He wants you to work for him. He wants you to keep digging. He wants you to put your hands to the plow and get involved in the kingdom of God. Let me tell you, if you're bored, it's probably because you're just sitting on a pew and you're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, but there's so much excitement when you start doing work with a heartfelt desire and you see somebody's life change. You see somebody's eyes open to the revelation of the truth of God because you just dug a little bit in a Bible study or you drove a bus to a neighborhood that nobody wants to go to and you brought somebody to the house of God or maybe you drove a bus all the way to Rialto and a young person received the Holy Ghost because there were some people that dug down deep and said there is a blessing whithersoever I go is it looks like a desert this environment isn't where I want to be but there is a blessing here oh put your hands together and worship him hallelujah there's a blessing today in the house of God for you sometimes the things that you're going through the hardships that you have aren't just for you but it's a blessing for somebody else we need to stop being so self-centered and self-absorbed and and materialistic and 
only looking at ourselves, but really to be a Christian or to be Christ-like is to think about others. And maybe I'm going through something so, so somebody else can be blessed. And this is truth. If you have children, you should live for God just for your children. And whatever you're going through, you better be the best Christian you can be because your children are following in your footsteps. And that's a blessing. That's one of the first blessings you can have is that your children are walking in truth. I pray that I'm a parent, that I leave a legacy, that my children want to live for God. I don't want them to feel like they have to live for God. I, I, don't, want, I, I don't want it to be an option for them. I want them to know that. I want to live for God because it's the only way, and i got to emulate that to them. It's my responsibility to show them Jesus. When it's hard, i got to show them how to love Jesus when it's hard. When times are tough, i got to show them how you still come to the house of God, and you put on your Sunday's best, and you lift up your hands, and you worship God, and you do everything that you physically can to give God the glory because there's a blessing whithersoever I go. It doesn't matter what the weather is today. It doesn't matter what it looks like outside. Hallelujah. There's a blessing whithersoever I goest. And I won't be too much longer. And the musicians can come and play a little bit. But if you look at the story of Joseph, Joseph emulates everything that we're talking about this morning. I really love the story of Joseph, and it's hard for me to read the latter chapters, verses chapters 46 to the end of Genesis without crying, knowing the mercy that Joseph emulated to his family. I remember the first time reading, reading chapter 45 and verse 5 where it says, Now therefore, be not grieved. Joseph is speaking to his brethren. And they realize that this is our brother Joseph, this deputy to Pharaoh. This is, this is our brother who we sold into slavery. He says to them, he says, be not grieved, nor angry with yourselves, that ye sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. You, you, you study his life and from the get-go. From the get-go. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I can't imagine 14 or 15-year-old, however old he was when God gave him a vision. I mean, how mature do you expect someone to be? at that age when they're given something great like that where they see haystacks bowing to him and where he sees the stars and the moon and all that bowing to him and 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 what a great what a great promise that God was giving him and and his 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 problem was is he probably talked about it too much and jealousy happened even his mom and dad got upset with him for telling him that story his presentation was incorrect and so because of that, there was a hatred, not only because of that, but because his father loved him so much and his brothers understood the love that Joseph's father had for him. And so one day, when the opportunity arised, they took their brother and they sold him into slavery. That was option number two. The first option was to kill him and to annihilate him completely. But instead, grace was found and he was sold into slavery and what I like about the story of Joseph, at least the, the author doesn't pin any anger from Joseph. He doesn't pin any words from Joseph that are, that are of complaining. But Joseph goes into slavery and then he goes to Potiphar's house. This is not the environment that he wants to be in. 
This is not the vision that God showed him. But God showed him the vision. Did he give up? No, he just said, here I am in Potiphar's house. I think the best thing to do is work with my hands the best I can work. This is the well I'm digging. Whithersoever I go, God is with me. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. This is not where I want to be. I'll just do my best. In so much that he was given much freedom. And in doing what was right and the very best that he could, temptation comes to him. And he resists. He does the right thing. And it goes against him. And now he's in prison. First slavery, now in, now in prison with a baker and a butler. One of them's on death row. He's not in a good place. But what he does is he uses what God has given him. And he starts being mindful of the dreams of other people. He helps interpret dreams of other people. In a prison cell, he's worried about other people. Whithersoever thou goest, God, you are with me. You're not going to leave me. You're not going to forsake me. Yeah, it's a prison and there's rats and it's cold and we don't get much to eat. And this does not look like the promises. This does not look like the vision. But whithersoever I'm going, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to be of good courage. You're going to sustain me. And because of that, because he was doing what, what God wanted him to do. There's a difference between what you want to do and what God wants you to do. We need to learn how to stay in our lane. We need to learn how not to cut other people off when we're in that lane. Or speed too fast or slow way down. We need to do, obey the speed limit and we don't, need to, we don't need to crash into other people. But we need to be courteous, drive defensively. We're all going in the same direction. We're all going to one place. We need to help each other. Yeah, it may not be where you want to be, but that's where God put you. And when you have that understanding, happy you will be when you understand God put me here. Look, nobody can do what you can do where God put you. I can't do it better than you. No one can do it better than you. Only you can do what God called you to do like he called you to do it. So be proud of the person God called you to be. And don't forsake him whenever things don't go right. Don't talk bad about your brother and don't beat other people down. And don't put bad words about other people in your mouth. Just stay in your lane and say, I'm where, wherever you're taking me, God, I'm on your side. Take the wheel, Lord, and here we are. I'm coming rapidly to a close. And so Joseph, because of, because of where he was in his environment, and he learned how to work in that environment, he was promoted to a position he never thought that he would be promoted. But wait a second, God already showed you in a dream. That's what, that's what he had in store for you, Joseph. You already know that God has already called you to be something. You didn't know how you were going to get there. It wasn't how you uh, planned to get there, but God put you through some things so you could come up on the end victorious in Jesus' name. And so in this moment, here comes his family, and he says those powerful words God sent me before you to preserve life don't don't worry and I'm not giving anybody a pass to do anything bad so you can say to that person don't worry God's doing this to you so you can preserve life that's that's not what I'm saying 
But we could get caught up on the minutia. We could get caught up on everything bad that's happened to me. And we can get vindictive and we could want to run other people and we, we, could, we could really talk about how, how hard we had it in life. But this is not what Joseph said. You can think of all the years that he went without his sibling and his mother and his father. You can think about his very own full blood brother, Benjamin, that he hugged so, so fervently when he saw him. He didn't get to grow up with him because of all this pain and torture and torment. But God had a plan. And when God has a plan in your life and you're willing to accept his plan, then you got to travel where God wants you to go. you got to do what God wants you to do. If you dig a well and somebody says, that's my well, okay, you can have it. I'm going to go dig another well because God's going to bless me whithersoever I go. As we stand together in the house of the Lord today, God's got a promise and he's got a blessing for everyone under the sound of my voice and beyond these walls. What has God called you to? What is the promise that you're hanging on? Has confusion rattled your cage? Has dismay caused you to get off course and lose your faith? Well, I'm here today to give a simple example from the Word of God that you just keep digging wells. You keep putting your hands to the plow. You keep doing what God has called you to do. And pretty soon, when you mind your own, God's going to cause a blessing to flow up. He's going to cause a well to spring up, and you're going to see blessings like you've never seen before. I can testify that the Lord is faithful. I can tell you that if you're faithful to Him, He'll bless you more than you can ever, 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 ever imagine. I can promise you, but you've got to learn how to give him the very best of you. And that's the altar call tonight, or this morning rather, in the last few moments before this service is finished. I invite everyone up here who has ever had a calling, who has ever had a purpose, or maybe you feel like you don't have a purpose, and I invite you to an altar of commitment where you raise your hands and you tell God, I'm giving you everything, Lord. I have, I've had speed bumps, I've had troubles, I've had trials, but here I am, I'm going to dig some more wells now as they sing together that's our prayer today god here i am whithersoever you send me i'm going to praise you i'm going to lift you up i'm going to give you all that i have hallelujah i feel the holy ghost in this place oh come on somebody just raise your hands hallelujah lift up your heart to god let him know the desires of your heart god i'm going to do my very best I may have slipped up, I may have fallen. Life may have not given me the very best of situations, but I'm giving you the very best of mine. All that I have, all that I can, all that I will, I'm giving to you, Lord. Hallelujah, I'm willing today. Is there a willing vessel today? Hallelujah. Let's worship Him as they sing. Hallelujah, I want to be a willing vessel. Hallelujah. I know it's Sunday morning, but I feel your spirit talking to 